0: This is agents influence podcast
1: so what makes our industry complicated that we're doing hundreds of simple tasks it's managing that is how do we manage that so we don't drop the ball And that's what's difficult that's where that's where the workflows and the processes come into play and if you've got a good workflow hey you know what this is how we do business every single time we can track it we can get back into it if we get off track we've got a placeholder to come back in
0: and Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end,
1: we're going to change an industry. Let's go.
0: Hey, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. I'm your host back once again with an exciting, I know it's going to be exciting because see like I've already listened to this like three or four times by the time it goes live, but I'm actually recording it live right now with my boy, Eric Garcia, who is on the phone with us today. And you guys are going to really love because him and I kind of sat down. I purposely went after Eric and for what he's doing right now with his staff and I always love, you know, consultants are great, people, thought leaders are great in the industry or across the world, but I always love when I get to bring one of our very own true blue rubber sole shoes on the concrete, writing business, running an agency, managing staff, doing what we do every day. So I always love when I bring that on because we truly, us, we really know what's going on in this industry, not everybody else. Like the ones who are actually doing the work every day, we're the ones that know what's going on. But I want to let you guys know, I have been getting a ton of feedback regarding this uh, beyond advertising and marketing. I mean, we've really hit on something here, and I'm going to talk more about that when I get in here with Eric, which we're going to jump right into that, because I think we got a lot to talk about. As you guys know, you guys hear me say it all the time. I do my best to try and keep these podcasts short. What is amazing is I have received a little feedback from people saying that they like the longer podcasts. Now, uh, one thing I usually get is people usually determine how long my podcast, if they're too short or too long, this is my opinion from what I read and the feedback I get, depending on how long their drive is. So I think the average drive out there is probably 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes, and that's why they think it's a little long. But I also know that there's people out there who drive 30 minutes to an hour, and I think they're saying that they listen to one way coming in and one way going back out. Regardless of how you listen to it, I just want you to know... You are appreciated. Thank you for being a loyal listener. Without you, I couldn't keep the drive, the energy and the focus to keep going with this. But in the meantime, let's get to the juice and to the meat, get to the succulent part of this podcast here at Agents Influence. Eric, Mr. Eric Garcia from Garcia Insurance Services.
1: How are you doing this day? Doing good, man. Cold. It's a little cold for a boy down in New Orleans. Other than that, I'm doing good, man. What's the tip there?
0: What's the tip there?
1: There was ice on my windshield. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. There's ice on the windshield. It's too cold. Yeah, me too. I think
0: it's like 19 outside right now, which I believe is the lowest that it's been all year. I mean, when I did our last, my last podcast last Sunday, it was 60 degrees outside. It it's, really was. It was 60 wet, degrees. It's
1: wet cold down here too, so that makes it worse. Yeah, it does. It does. It does.
0: You're right about that. Eric... The question that you've listened to, a lot of people be asked, by the way, I'm getting my website redone, and I had to take all of these podcasts off of Rainmaker, and we had to put them up on Libsyn and all this hosting service that we use. We have 456, 456 podcasts that have been done since March of 2013. 456 podcasts. That it blows my mind when I think about that number, because it doesn't seem that it does seem that long, but it doesn't seem like it's that much, if that makes any sense. And Eric, I'll ask you this question. You an iPhone or you a droid user?
1: Oh, right now I'm an iPhone user, but I'm not I'm not right a, now he's getting right ready now. to cheat, folks. No, 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 I'm not cheating. I've been iPhone. What's and, that mean? I've been iPhone and Droid and iPhone. I don't like to sell out to any one environment. So I like oh. to you know, I'll work on a Mac. I'll work on an iPhone. I've got a PC. So right now it's iPhone, and the reason I went to okay. iPhone, reason I went to iPhone is on top of being a, an agency owner, I'm a financial advisor, and all the apps from the the finance companies that were coming out were only for Apple. So I switched for that reason because it was, it was too difficult.
0: So basically, you're buy platform. That's what you are. You're by. Let's just get it right out there right now, Eric. You're by. It's, sure. it's cool.
1: Sure. There we go. <laughs>
0: Oh boy, seven twenty-five in the morning. Already talking about it. Hey, so what is the most recent or coolest app that you've downloaded? Probably in the last week, month, whatever.
1: Oh man, there's there's actually two. Hit me. One is Bitmoji. You seen that one? Okay. You can. No, I haven't. You can make, no, I have it. You can make a, a custom emoji of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yes, actually, I did. That's kind of fun. But I downloaded another one recently. This is actually off of Steve Anderson's Tech Tips, Microsoft Picks. It's a camera. I'm jealous. Are you? Yes, because I want that,
0: and it's only on iPhone. I read his Tech Tips yesterday.
1: (laughs) It's only only on iPhone. iPhone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why Microsoft did that. I mean, I guess there's, if you guys know, there's like deep, deep hatred between Microsoft and Google, but I didn't, I mean, and there was a good friendship between Gates and Jobs, but come on, dude. Like it made me so mad. That looks so awesome. It's got like artificial intelligence that like changes it and and makes the picture look better. And there's a lot of different things you can do with that. Have you used it a lot yet?
1: I used it a little bit last night, like for like three minutes because I had kids climbing on me. So I really didn't get much I should have tested it with them. I didn't even think of that, but uh, and I haven't got I haven't gotten into it much, but there was a few pictures where it picks the best image for you and you can delete the rest, which is helpful
0: yes, it is so yes, it is. We'll get more into
1: that, yeah, it does look good it does so do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Eric? Oh man, I should have known that you were gonna ask that question, huh I love to win that's, or that's I hate the to secret lose. question I hate losing you hate losing I hate losing so that
0: means you love to win. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's a trick question, but it's so great the
1: responses I get. So why do you hate to lose? It sucks. I think sometimes you win by not losing. That's right. You know, that, that, You're right it, by that. It doesn't sound super uh, aggressive and, and risk taker, but I think there are situations where you realize after you've been around for a little while that you don't always have to win to win. If that makes sense. That's right. Okay, so and doesn't mean that you have to win every battle to win the war. There you go. You know, that's
0: that's something we always have to think about. So a new question I got here that I'm going to try to add in, which I think is it's something that a lot of people are talking about, at least in the groups that I sit around in. And during the weekday, what club are you part of? Are you part of the 5 a.m. club, 6 a.m. club, 7 a.m. club? What time do you usually get up on a pretty consistent basis in the morning?
1: Well, I don't think there's there's no consistent time. Lately, it's whenever my four-year-old wakes up, which can be anywhere between Six and six thirty I want to be part of the five am club in concept in theory, you know that's my desire, but soon I'll be back there soon. I was there at one point. I was up between about, five about weekdays and five same, same time, weekends same time there's no same time yeah. Sometime between okay. six and seven every day. I've been
0: forced into the 5 a.m. club. I'm actually about the 4.30 a.m. club. And I never thought that I would say that. But having this office, I just have to drive an hour and 10 hour and 15 minutes to get here. So if I want to get here by 7.30, I have to be on the road by 6.15. And I'm a kind of guy that when I wake up, I need to drink my coffee. I got to read my CNN. I read my 21 minute Bible app. And then usually by then it's been about 30 minutes and I'm ready to finally get in the shower. And then once I get in that shower, like usually my coffee's kicked in, I'm in the shower, boom, 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 boom. Then it's like, I'm in, in, bam, 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 out the door. But I've been forced to get up and I got to tell you every morning that I've been driving and seeing the sun come up, I am like, man, I am so glad that I am up at this time. It's really, really helped. So that's me. So that's a question I'm going to start asking. It's becoming a a big obsession. I think um, Tim, in our mastermind, everybody was talking about how they get up at 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. And and Tim, who's in, once again, in our mastermind, he popped in and said, you know, getting up early is great, but we want to make sure that we're at least getting enough sleep. Because there are a lot of us that don't go to bed till 10, 30, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And then if you're trying to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, that may not be the best strategy. I'm a dude that like I burn so much energy that at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock at max, I'm out. I mean, I can't stay up. That's just me.
1: There was actually a study that came out recently. I don't know if you saw it. You've got a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. It said that there are certain school districts that started class a little bit later in the morning like at 9 a.m. because they found that teenagers physically need more sleep. If they don't get enough sleep, they can't function. So
0: Makes total sense.
1: Yeah, that's the problem with me at 5 a.m. is getting in bed early enough. So I think the real question should be, are you a, are you part of the 9 p.m. club or the 11 p.m. club? <laughs> There's maybe a lot of where, truth to that. Maybe that's where we need to start. Flip it and reverse it. Yep, that's right. Man, I believe in something called planning backwards, right? You start with the end in mind, and then what do you have to do to get that? So if your goal is to be part of the 5 a.m. club, this is how I approach a lot of business problems. And just planning in general is, hey, what's my ultimate goal? What am I trying to do? And then what do I have to do to get there? So if I want to be part of the 5 a.m. club, I can't just wake up at 5 a.m. I got to go to bed at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Or kind of how many hours of sleep do I need and, and work backwards to that?
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think if we did that in a lot of things, we'd probably be better off. I know if you're going across the country and you're going to drive from, let's say, Illinois to California, we always want to look at the day we're going to leave. But, you know, if it's a two or three day trip, you may want to look at the time that you need to get to California and then work backwards to where you are. You know what I mean? It's kind of how, well, and I mean, I guess we kind of do it with flights. I mean, this is pure off the top of my head, but like, I know that I need to leave on Thursday, but there's a certain time I actually have to be in California. So I have to make my beginning around my end. So that's a very good point. So when it comes to waking up, we're kind of looking at our beginning point rather than looking at the or we're looking at the end point, which is 5 a.m. rather than that. I like that. That's a good thought there. And I think that that's what makes it easier for me. Like I said, I just can't. I may be up at 10 o'clock. That's if the scandal, it was really, really exciting and kept me up that long. I'm really into scandal right now, Eric. The, the show, I've been told for a year or two that I need to watch it. And I watch it on Netflix. And I'm like absolutely hooked, dude. Hmm. I mean, it's basically you got to pull the needle out of the vein for me to go to bed. I mean, seriously, it's pretty bad.
1: I, I love it. You watch any shows? Yeah, yeah, my wife and I were hooked on uh This Is Us and oh great show. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think we're we've we're, we one episode left to catch up. And then we also watch International House Hunters. Like it's going out of style. Dude, we could be in the same living room for real. That's what my
0: wife and I watch. We like International, but we also like the one where they go like to the, the what's it called? The Caribbean, you know, they go to the exotic places to buy homes.
1: We they like, like the world. as they're, well. looking at, they're looking at hotels in other countries, like the top hotels. Pretty cool. Yeah. There's actually uh, a cool, there's a cool um, Netflix video that we just watched. It's called Cuba and the Cameraman. Have you seen that one yet? No, I have not. So it's this journalist who, I, I got mixed feelings about it, but it's interesting. It's a journalist who starts going to Cuba in 1975, and he kind of gains favor with Castro. So he goes back. It's over like a 30 to 40 year period. And he goes back and goes to see the same people. Very, very interesting. wow. Check it out.
0: Holy cow, I will be on that this weekend. Loyal listeners know that I have a love of affair with Cuba, and here we're speaking here to oh, you didn't come, but your father came from Cuba, correct? Both parents, yeah, yeah, both parents. Mm-hmm. So, what would that be? Would that be like first generation American, or what would that be? First generation, yeah, okay, that's right, all yeah. right. I'm not very smart. That's the thing, Eric. So as I I talk about things like this, that I don't know, and I I like I'm, people are like, gosh darn, he is really ignorant, and that's how it is, you know. Ignorant is an abused word. It really is. The word ignorant just means lacking knowledge of something, but we use it if you said something like, like, hey man, you're pretty ignorant when it comes to insurance. Someone takes that in the negative tone, and it's like, no, that's really what it is. We just use that in a negative way. So, let's talk about this, Eric. The reason why I brought Eric on, so you loyal listeners know, it's just not like I just picked him out of nowhere. It's just... You know, over the last year, I've heard you, Eric, talk a lot about process, a lot about got to get my staff focused all, you know, on the same bus, going the same way, in the same direction, in the same seat with the right people in the right seat. And it's like, we've got to start doing things consistently. And so I've heard you talk about that. And then really as a group, as a mastermind group, we have all kind of like the ball feels like it's all rolling the same way. And what's amazing also is that as I'm out there with, at the Independent Agencies Owners Alliance, and I'm also inside of Insurance Soup, and I'm in there looking around and listening, I'm starting to notice that when people are starting to talk about process and procedures and workflows in their agency, those posts are starting to get the most engagement, the most comments. And so we're starting to see, in my opinion the beginning of the end for a lot of agents out there. Because I've said since 2015 that this is the separator. Customer service just foreplay. It's a modern customer experience that will separate you from your competition. This is the separator. This is the difference. You can be advertising. You can marketing. You can write blogs. You don't have to write blogs. You can make videos. You don't have to make videos. You can do Facebook. You don't have to do Facebook. You can do all different types of things. There's all different ways that you can bring leads in. But as my boy, Mike Beard, my mentor says, the business that stays is the business that pays. When we're talking about renewals, we're also talking about being efficient and having people come into our agency to where we have a higher likelihood of closing them, which we know are referrals, which are coming from people who are inside of our agency already going through the experience, noticing the workflows and the process says are seamless and are different than any other agency. That's why I say this is the beginning of the end, because there's a lot of agents who are blowing right over those posts. They're not listening to podcasts like this when we're talking about hashtag beyond advertising and marketing. And they're starting to, well, that doesn't entertain me because that's not fun. That means that I have to actually get consistent. That means that I need to start collecting data. That means I have to start getting my staff to do the same thing. That means I need to start making a bunch of changes. Here, let me go over to this one over here where I make some Facebook ads and, and get some leads. I believe that this is the beginning of the end, and that's why I'm so proud of everybody in the mastermind who's collectively going in the same direction. And then over the last couple of weeks since Grow Lab, we've all been like really hitting it. Our boy Josh Witt—I think he's really, truthfully—I think we all know Eric that Josh Witt is gold, but I don't think we've truly uncovered the gold that this guy is. But you specifically, I noticed you've been put, I mean, you took a screenshot, or not a screenshot, you took a picture with your phone of like a whiteboard and you had arrows going every which way and, and words and paragraphs on top of each other. And what was awesome was, and this is what I loved about this, Eric, is that it wasn't, Hey, this is what I'm going to get my team to do. It's, this is what me and my team have come up with. And that was like, I was like, yes, like, He so gets it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're not going to make this happen, Eric. It's going to be your team that you've put in place. And I'm excited for you. And why don't just give us a little rundown? I mean, what's been going on since Grow Lab or this year? What's your plan? What are you looking for in
1: 2018? Go. Man, 2018. First, let me say this we had some pretty aggressive production goals this year that we fell short of. And, you know, when I look back on the year, at this time of the year in December, I always spend a lot of time working on the business, not necessarily in the business. And it's important to understand that I'm not active in the actual production of the property and casualty business. You know, I I own the agency, I manage it. I've got a business partner who is involved. So when I bring my team in, it's because I'm ignorant of some of the the day-to-day things that they have to do. I started in the PNC world but i think some of these agencies that are trying to change their processes if they haven't started and this goes back to this backwards planning again if they haven't started with having the right culture in place to attack some of these problems of processes it's going to be tough so we have a great Ooh, staff that's we have deep. a great yeah yeah we have a great staff we got you know this year when i look back you know, i would say we spent a lot of time just reestablishing our culture you know we started the agency jason when did you speak at the big eye conference for Louisiana. Was that in 11 or 12?
0: That was 11 or 12. I don't, I think it was before we started the podcast. So it had, well, I mean, it was 11 or 12, somewhere in there, yeah.
1: I think it was probably 11, cause it was, it was shortly after we started the independent agency. Okay. Right around that same time, I had listened to, I went to a marketing association here in New Orleans. It's nationwide, I can't think of the name, but Tony Sheesh, I think his name is, the CEO of Zappos spoke. Have you read that book, Delivering Happiness? I have not. I've had many people tell me too. Great book. Great book. But that started me down this path of of culture and really understanding the importance of culture. We did some really good things early on. And then I got distracted or not distracted. My focus was on the financial side, building that practice. And I had people in place that really weren't driving that culture. So about two, two and a half years ago, I kind of got back involved in the PNC side, started reestablishing the culture. We went through a handful of staff. Now you use the analogy: we got the right people on the bus. So 2018 for me is getting them in the right seat on the bus. So that's my goal for 2018. What you saw recently of me posting in the mastermind was we sat down over a well, I said we sat down over a two week period. We identified probably eight to twelve big processes or workflows. I call them workflows that we wanted mm-hmm. to solidify everywhere from personal lines, renewal, commercial lines, renewal, sales, even cancellation. We wanted to build some workflows around these things. And I figured renewals are probably, I don't know, 70% of our revenue. So that's the process that we're starting with. And then we want to have just a kick butt renewal process. If that's the only workflow that we build out, right? Because the gold is in our book, right? And renewals are relationships that we already have. There's a lot of business out there that we're not uncovering because we have terrible, inconsistent behavior around renewals. We talk about it. We know it's important, but I wonder how many agencies are actually doing everything they say consistently. So that's where we started. I got one of my staff who makes sense of the chaos in my mind in the room, and then I've got my business partner in the room, and we walk the policy through 60 days prior to renewal. And we went through probably three or four different ways of approaching it. You know, timelines, you know, you're always looking at trigger events, right? What's the trigger? Yep. And in renewal, you have, you have multiple triggers, right? There's dates, right? 60 days before renewal, 30 days before renewal, 10 days after renewal. But the problem is you also have event triggers is what I'm going to call them, right? When is the company, we have a lot of ENS policies. When do they send us the deck page, right? They're terribly inconsistent. So we have a hard time trying to, how do we fit that into our timeline when we're waiting on some event that we don't control? Then you also have responses, client response that are triggering events. You know, we communicate with this client. We're waiting to hear back from them. We can't move forward on one part of our process. So we just sat in a room, man, for about an hour. And then after that, Tammy took all those ideas. We workflowed them and we came up with what we think is going to work. And then now what we're doing, we identified, I think about seven different points of communication with the client. So we have to go write the templates for those letters that are going to go out or the emails or the texts that are going to go out so that it's all as automated as possible. That's what we're doing right now. Automation. We're, we're on
0: I love automation. automation. Let, let's stop here for a minute. Let's let's talk about this. So you talk about workflows and processes. This is something I've actually looked up because I'm just a geek like that. So according to the definition, a process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end as opposed to a workflow consists of an orchestrated and repeatable pattern of business activity enabled by a systematic organization of resources into processes that transform or provide services or process information. So to put that in the simplest term, now maybe I'm wrong, Eric, but here's the way that I see the difference between the two. So whenever we have somebody who calls us and they need some type of insurance, we have a process to get them insurance, meaning I have a way to get them from point A to point Z to where they've purchased that policy, they've got that all done, you know, they've signed the apps, whatever. We have a process. Now we have a workflow of whether that's a personal policy, a commercial policy, maybe that's bonds, whatever that could be, we have an individual workflow. But inside that process of of taking them on as a new customer, we have the quoting workflow, but then we have the quoting itself workflow, we have the onboarding workflow. And so I believe those three or four workflows make up that seamless process. So that is the way because sometimes people like Cass, what does it really matter? Well, it does because you've got to know exactly what you're doing and you are right in what you're saying. A lot of us right now are creating workflows for the capture of new business
1: clients through a process. Does that make sense? Am I right about that? You lost me a little bit, but but sure. Whether we call it a workflow or process, I think the idea is that, hey, there's a collection of individual tasks that need to be done in a particular order. To get to the end that you want.
0: That's right. and I believe that a process is made up of workflows. Workflows are not made up of processes. That's the way that I put that down because I think it's important that whenever we're looking at this, we have a new business process for someone who comes and needs a auto and home quote. We have a new business process for somebody who comes in and needs to get a commercial lines, general liability, BOP, whatever policy or a quote, or policy. That's how we have that. And inside of each one of those processes, we have many workflows. That's kind of the way I look at it. And it's important to know that because you got to look at it from me. I look at it from a high view and then down, but I love what you're saying. Sometimes we need to look at it from the ground level and say, what does that need to look like at the ground level? And let's build up kind of what you're saying in reverse there. And I probably lost all the loyal listeners, too. They're used to that. That's why they love podcasts. I can just back
1: it up 30 seconds and say, what
0: the heck did he just say? So what do you find? How's your <laughs> staff responding to what you're trying to do?
1: Oh, they're responding great. We have a great staff. You know, they want. My goal, And I, we had a staff meeting. What, we meet every every other Monday. I think it was last week we had a meeting. And, and I said, hey, my goal for 2018 is that every single one of you make more money. And this is how we're going to do it. Out. So they're on board. You know, we're looking at, I mean, some of the changes that we're making are going to be pretty significant. We're kicking around marble box. In fact, I see this really only working. I think you can only get consistency of applying these these processes if you either have automation or someone who's on it 24-7. I agree. So we're kicking that around. And that's some of it. We haven't discussed that part with all the staff yet about how we're actually going to do some of this stuff. And we want to finalize some of the workflows before I roll them out to all the staff. But they're on board. I mean, they got questions. Hey, you know, how are we going to do this? Do you do have What's all the staff
0: be? in the room when you're trying to do this? Or are you just taking some of the, no. maybe the more managers or the kind of people? Are you putting certain people in charge of certain things?
1: No, not yet. So, what we're doing is it's me, my business partner, and Tammy in the room. I'm more of the long term, big picture. Hey, this is ideally how I want things done. And then, my Giovanni, my business partner, I turn to him and say, hey, am I totally wrong in this? Is this, am, am I in like some like dream world? So he's more of the the feet on the ground. Hey, yeah, we could do that. Or, or mm, maybe not. And then Tammy's the one who just makes sense of it all. Gotcha. I guess she's like R2-D2.
0: Right, she.
1: And then what we're going to do is after we have the our ideal workflow, then we're going to bring in an individual staff who will be executing it and say, hey, look at this. What do you think? I keep going back to What Billy Williams said at Grow Lab about making the the sandwich at Subway. Yeah, I know. Right? Like, and I'll tell my business partner, I was like, you know, I can't hire someone and say, hey, tell me, how do you make a sandwich? Right? If we hire someone, we have to say, hey, here's our process. Now, if you want to personalize it along the way, hey, that's that's fine. Right? But this is our process. This is how we do it. This has to be in the agency management system. This has to be in our radar. When it's done, these are the documents that we need in the agency management system. It's got to be in there a certain time after. This is how we do it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring those to them. We'll bring them in and let them, I think they have to have ownership of it. They're going to be the ones executing it. So I want them to have some ownership of it. But initially, it's just the three of us. Can you imagine how much of a cluster beep it would be?
0: Is if like at McDonald's, they're like, "All right, you're hired. Here's your apron. Go back there into the line and look on that monitor. And when it says it needs a hamburger, make a hamburger. When it says it needs some fries, <laughs> but that's how we do, we, do it. we do. But isn't that how we do it? I mean, can you imagine how best stuff that would be? (laughs) I mean, how many orders would get dropped? That'd be, I mean, it'd be like, I came here yesterday and my Big Mac looked nothing like this. You know what I mean? It's a, It would be, but that's exactly how agencies do it. I mean, and I think a lot of businesses do, but then again, a lot of businesses don't. I mean, if you're a lawyer, there's usually a way that, Hey, this is, we got a trust coming in. This is how we set up a trust. These are the things we do. This is the things that we have to accomplish in order to get it done. I mean, if you're a doctor, when we go into surgery, we don't go, okay, here's a new heart surgery. Uh, Where do we want to start first this time, guys? No, I mean, you have, we have methods for everything. And, I don't think a lot of businesses do. And there's some businesses, like if you own a shoe store, okay? Yeah, there's some processes that you have to have and inside those processes and workflows. But like with insurance or living in an insurance-like type service we have, we've got to have processes. And like I said, this is the defining moment. This will be the thing that's going to separate those who are staying and who aren't, Eric. And that's why I'm so excited when I see people taking this seriously. Because here's the other thing. Like it helps me. It helps me say, man, I never thought of it that way. Or, you know, sometimes when it just seems like that's all you're talking to your staff about is that, and then you see that there's other people out there doing that and we're driving each other and man, that's what we need. I mean, that's totally what we need when it comes to this. And I'm just really excited about it. It, it yeah. you know, it's, it's the only way to scale it, Here's one of the things I'm trying to do. I want to blow best practices out of the water. They say that an average revenue spread of an employee can be anywhere between 180 to 220,000, could be as low as 150, but 220,000. So that's how much revenue a full-time person is able to hold. And that's an average split over your full-time base, the revenue that you have coming in. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Don't settle for less. Do more with MBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit NBSbrokerage.com. CAS certified. And- where that can be a little bit skewed is if you have your producers who are doing a lot of service work, kind of like I talked back in the SafeCore report about how the CSRs and the producers are merging roles, which I think is completely ludicrous, but we won't go back there. I see that it can kind of skew it a little bit, but like right now we're holding around 440000 in revenue between me, Travis, and Sarah. Now I will admit right now I'm doing a lot of the service work because it's a new agency. But Lori's retired. There's me, Travis and Sarah and then Marblebox. And it's amazing the things that we're using Marblebox for. We, I would say, have probably increased our hours with them by 25, 30 percent easily. And it has to do with the fact that like we're just getting to the point. We have never done commercial lines quoting with them at all. Never have we given them deck sheets and basically in the information and said, here's what it is. In the last two weeks, we've done three different accounts to where we had them go do commercial lines quoting. And I will tell you this, Eric, we did not create a process or workflow. We literally were in a bind to where we needed it. We had this huge lawn care company, not huge, but they're like 11 or 12 trucks and, you know, about the same amount of employees and And they came to Travis and Travis been trying to get this forever. And they came to Travis and said, Hey, we want to give you opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Problem with it was we had like less than like three weeks, which is no big deal. But we got the holidays around and we've got all this other stuff going on. So it was like, boom, he said, Jason, why don't we just send this to them? So we filled out what was, we have like this commercialized prospect sheet. It's, you've probably seen me, it's in the mastermind and stuff, but I took the accord forms and I rewrote them onto just a regular word document. uh, So it's a lot easier to, for my producers to actually understand what they're asking because chord forms are the worst form God ever created in the world. And so I tell them just fill out the first page of the prospect sheet, which is essentially the 125 with a couple extra questions, snap their pictures of the deck sheets, and let's just send them over to Marble Box and see what happens. We were blown away. We we're absolutely blown away. Like they just went in there and just did it. We named these five carriers. They went in boom, 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 boom. In a matter of about six, maybe eight hours, I think it was, we had all those quotes back. We went inside there, they were 80 to 90% complete. Like there was some stuff like they didn't know, right? But if you do online quoting for commercial lines, anybody out there listening, you know that it's a little bit easier than personal lines and the fact that they don't make you answer all the questions. Like in personal lines, you gotta answer every one of those questions. You don't necessarily have to. So it was real easy for Sarah and Travis just to go in there real quick, boom, 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 boom. And I mean, for us to go out, and collect information, and then go and quote five carriers in the middle of the day when all this stuff is going on, that would have at least taken two to three days for us to finally get done. In a matter of six to eight hours, we had that done. That right there is a game changer. Having to quote that in the system makes me think, I need to hire somebody else, like because we don't have time to get that done. But yeah, that's a good piece of business that's come to us. Having Marblebox in there completely changed the game on that. And here's the thing I have to realize is that I've had faith in Marblebox since 2013, since I've had them, because I've had them since then and I know what they can do. But we had kind of plateaued out a little bit, Eric. we had kind of plateaued out to where we really weren't getting a lot more work out of them. And the reason was, is because my team believed in them, but didn't trust them. There's a difference. And so they believe that, yeah, they can do our work, but I just don't necessarily trust them on what they can do. Well, I don't know the really saying, but there's got to be one out there. Desperation creates desperation. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know, but desperation, <laughs> let's say, creates opportunity because you get into a situation where you're like, man, I have no other choice. I can't get this done and we need to. Here, let's just try and give it to Marble Box and see what they say. And it's really amazing. And I also see that if we take what we did with commercial quoting for them and just organize it just a little bit into a workflow, I think it's going to be even more successful. And I thought it was pretty successful just right off the bat. People say there's some people that deal with Marblebox, Eric, and they say, well, yeah, I gave them this, but you know, they messed up here or they messed up there in the personal lines quote." Yeah, but let me ask you this. After you fix those things, how long did it take you to actually get a full quote to where you could go to the customer? Now, whatever that answer is, is if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it normally takes an hour to do an auto and home quote. If you're doing it and you're running it through and running the reports and finalizing two, three, four companies, it at least takes a minimum of an hour. So if you were able to give it to Marblebox and it came back to you and you had to work on it for 10 or 15 minutes, you saved 45 to 50 minutes, folks.
1: What's silly about that statement, I don't use marble box yet. Right. I say yet. Yep. So hopefully we'll, we'll onboard them. You'll get there. In the first quarter. But what's silly about that is saying, oh, well, they messed this up. I mean, the question I would have is, does your staff never mess exactly. up? Exactly. You know, I don't know who said this, but someone said, execute with purpose, not perfection. I like that. But people make mistakes. Here's the problem with the insurance industry. Hit me. And I've always struggled with this from day one is that we are a reactive industry. So much is happening outside of our control that we have to react to. Yep. Someone's buying a house, they need a policy. They have a claim, we need to step up. There's very little that we can proactively control. I'm of the belief that if we did everything that we wanted to do, we couldn't afford to do it because it is it, there is just so much. It's never ending, right? It's really a simple industry. It's not complicated at all. I mean, quoting a house is not complicated. You know, Renewing a policy is not complicated. The problem is you're renewing 100 policies a month. You still have 30 for the previous month that you're chasing payment for. You have 30 from the next month that are already calling possibly to be remarketed. And in the meantime, you have a, a lawn care company calling you with 12 vans, and they need insurance next week. Yep. So what makes our industry complicated is that we're doing hundreds of simple tasks it's managing that it's how do we manage that so that we don't drop the ball and that's what's difficult yep and that's where the workflows and the processes come into play that if you've got a good workflow hey you know what this is how we do business every single time we can track it we can get back into it if we get off track we've got a placeholder to come back in
0: yep you know and let's really take this a little bit wild eric A lot of times, and we've went through this thing of, and we went through this, and I think we all think this as, well, I want to do business the way the client wants to do business. If you have true workflows and processes, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think we have to start to say, who is our target? Who are we going after? How do they want to be serviced? And if we create a good workflow and process, Keep in mind, a workflow, if you remember inside of the definition, was a repeatable pattern of business activity. And so when we create that repeatable pattern, to be able to try and be everything to everybody when now we say we know we can't, I think the only way to truly scale is actually to figure out who we are as an agency, what our workflows and our processes look like based off of who our consumer is. And be okay with not needing that person. Right now at our agency that we're buying, Eric, we have about one to two people that walk in today to pay cash. We don't have that at our other agency. We're blown away. Like we have nobody that comes in and pays cash. Not one. Not one. Zilch. None. And I'm going to tell you, they won't be doing that in four to five months for sure. Like I will wean them off and educate them on how they can go. I mean, I'm literally going to sit down and show this person how they can go online And they can make their own payment and when they try to tell me that they do it because of cash that they know how to do it i'm just sorry like that's not the way that we work because now you're going to be upset when you come to my office and we can't service you that way because we don't take cash or that's going to be a day that we're not because on our door we don't have hours we have by appointment only are we here most of the time darn right almost all the time but you're going to come one day and you're, we're not going to be here because you have to pay for cash and you're going to be a little upset. And then the next month it's going to happen again. And now you're going to start going around bad mouthing me and my agency because we're never open. And then you're probably going to be talking maybe to somebody else probably that that's the same type of people they hang around with that they pay cash. And I'm not downing someone for paying cash. But then again, I'm down in someone who's paying cash. There's a reason why you don't have a checking account. I mean, checking accounts are pretty easy to get. There's usually a reason for that. And I don't care, oh, well, this, that old lady, she decides this is how she does it. Well, that's great. My business will still survive without that old person or that more veteran human <laughs> that is not there. So sometimes we really have to start to think like,
1: are we really in the business to be everything to everybody? Do you think we say, I want to do business the way the client wants to do business? Do you think we say that because we don't understand or have confidence in the value that we provide to them? Yes, I agree. Yep. And I also think, and I'm just because the loyal listeners know I'm real. We're also lazy.
0: Laziness has a big thing to do with it. I want to be open to everybody and do everything for everybody because then that's less people I have to go actually look for. It's also one of the reasons why we don't go after niches. We don't go after niches because niches just don't walk in the door. Like you have to go get niches. And that's the problem. That's why people don't like niches. Anything that requires work, that's why people don't do processes and workflows, Eric. Because it actually takes work. You have to be proactive in that, as you were just talking about a minute ago. And yes, I think we're all busy, but I also know that we also have time to go play golf if we want to, or we have time to do these other things. So yes, we're busy, but that's not necessarily true. We're lazy.
1: You know, I, I just read this yesterday. And I think it fits. It says the wise adjust themselves to truth. The foolish adjust truth to themselves. So like if we're saying the truth Ooh. is that workflows and processes – help us be more productive, more effective, make more money, then the wise ones of us are going to adjust and say, you know what, we need to change and adapt this truth to our agency. Yep. The foolish ones are going to say, you know what, I can do it without it. I don't need it. I can be as effective without it. The wise adjust themselves to the truth, and the foolish adjust truth to themselves. Wow, that's so fitting for what we're talking about right now.
0: And I have to tell you that, and I won't get too far into it, because, but it's an an internal battle in our agency right now because we have people in our agency that feel as if we should be servicing those people. And I am one of those that's, no, we're not. And see, everybody's like, well, you're the boss. No, first of all, we're not allowed to use the word boss. In our agency, not allowed to happen. No one's boss. I always say to my staff, we all stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, we're all in this together. There's not on top. There's no hierarchy of above. It's We're all standing next to each other. The only difference between me and them is when the government comes in and somebody's in trouble or the taxes need paid or the inspection comes in, I'm the one that they're going to come to. Besides that, we're all the same. So, But the fact is, is we're having that issue inside of our agency and with about this specific thing. Because some of us in here are saying, well, we are purchasing this agency and to pay it back, we need to be able to keep the business on as long as we can. My thought is, is if I have 10 or 15 people that come in a month and want to pay payments and I have to take my time to do that, that means they're preventing me from actually getting the business that's actually going to help pay back the loan that we had to take out. That is what, the way that I look at it. This person here who's paying $500 every six months on a progressive policy that's coming in and making a payment of $69.37, that person there, if I lose 10 or 15 of those people, is only going to make up for the 10 or 15 other lawn service accounts that I need to work on. That's the way I look at it.
1: I think that's a good point. I, I think the. so we're, I'm very open with my staff, all my staff, about revenue. We talk about revenue at every meeting. You know, we have revenue goals. And I think when you, convert or paint the picture of, Hey, this is this client. This is the revenue that this client's generating for the agency. How much time do you think we should spend on them? And again, that's not to say we shouldn't spend time on those people, but Hey, if they can't accommodate to the way we want to do business, we can't keep doing this for them because we're actually losing money. Right. And if you want to make more money next year, your time is more valuable getting involved in the renewal process and following up on the client who doesn't have flood insurance with us.
0: You see, that's the part right there, Eric. You're right. See, we always look at that as a one sided thing. It's we can't afford it because that person is only bringing us $30 a year in revenue and we can't afford to service and take their payment and make money. That's one side. The other side is is the fact that that person comes in and it takes 10 to 15 minutes each time and they come in once a month, so that means it took us an hour to an hour and a half to take that person's payment all year long, and how much money could we have made in an hour, an hour and a half dealing with a new customer? Whoa, sorry, there's some little bit of outside, I don't know if you heard that, that was a siren, that was crazy, but that's the thing, so it's two-sided there. So yes, we can afford it on the $30 that they're bringing in, but also we're losing revenue on the people that we're not dealing with because of that it's a double-sided thing there and we usually only look at it as one way do you fire clients do i fire clients no i do
1: not i have but let me put it to you that's something that something that we're thinking about actually starting to do especially in the commercial side where we have to touch it a lot and there's just there's just not enough revenue there so let me so eric eric let
0: me let me answer that yes in my current agency i grew it from scratch up so i strategically put those people there remember i was out of the basement of my home i don't advertise anything we go out and select people we want very very rarely does someone call in that we write i mean we deny so many clients so much it's ridiculous we get sr 22s we get the hey i want the cheap stuff we just send them down the road to our competitor and we have them deal with them so we can take their good clients and we're serious about that here at the new agency I will have to fire. I mean, I know already in my head, three of them, I can picture in my head that they will not be clients of ours in five to six months. It just won't happen. I will fire them.
1: Yeah. We're going to build that into our workflow, you know, that after a commercial client, if we have to chase them down or, or if they, if they lapse it, you know, one lapse or two lapses, you're out you're done. We're not rewriting you. Unless you want to pay us a giant agency fee or whatever. Giant. That's going to be part of our workflow. We're giant, giant. It's got to be. Cash money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, You know, getting well, we reinstated
0: their policy, so we had to charge them $35. Well, we get a $35 fee every time we reinstate it. You're still losing money. I promise you, you're losing money when you have to rewrite or get on the phone with a carrier and sit there and hold for five to 10 minutes to make sure that they're going to reinstate the policy. You're losing money. And once again, they see it as... Well, you know, I'm making $35. Yeah, you're making $35, but instead of dealing with that person every day, you could be dealing with somebody else that you're making $400 off of. It's a vicious right. cycle that we get into. And then I'll tell you another thing about policy fees that will get people, Eric, is what happens is, is they start getting these policy fees off of this business that they're not writing and non-standards. I see it a lot. Well, we get policy fees off non-standard business. Well, the problem with it is is you start getting addicted to those fees. Because you have commission coming in, but you have just as much commission going back out because policies are constantly in cancellation status. And so what happens is, is because of that, you really can't get rid of the client because you'll have payments going out, but no more new business coming in. So they get in this repetitive cycle of having to rewrite these people and then they justify it based on the policy fee that they're getting from them. When all they're really doing is just churning through the same amount of business and you're really not even making any commission because the commission is going out and coming in. You're only making really actually policy fees. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, I, I see this. Job. I see this a lot in the non-standard businesses I talk to, and it's really tough. Now, the question is, if you're one and of those- If, you had,
1: good, if you had good processes. You do, but if, if you you're one of those agencies out there,
0: loads. if you're one of those agencies out there, I get this a lot, and I'll just give you the advice now. They say, Jason, how do we get out of that? The only way to get out of that is to grow in other lines. That's the only way to get out of that. Like You have to start saying, okay, we're going to commit to commercial. And as commercial goes up, we're not dependent upon that revenue anymore. That's when we have to start cutting those people out. We have to start selling life insurance. And as our revenue goes up with life insurance, we got to start cutting those people out. You just can't cut those people out and not replace it or you're going to go bankrupt. That's common sense. But that's what you've got to do to get out of that cycle. Gotta love it. We've been sitting here for 51 minutes just
1: straight geeking out, Eric. Is this not what we said we were going to do? So, hey, let's geek out a little bit more. Let's go back to workflows and processes. So, there's a Bruce Lee quote. Can I quote Bruce Lee? Come on now. So what he said, he said, before I learned the art, a punch was just a punch and a kick just a kick. After I learned the art, a punch was no longer a punch, a kick no longer a kick. Now that I understand the art, a punch is just a punch and a kick is just a kick. Now, what the heck does that have anything to do with processes and workflows? I hear a lot from people, we see this in, I think we see it an agent in, in the mastermind, but we see it in other insurance groups where it's like, hey, just give me your workflow. Give me your workflow so I can implement it. The problem with that is they don't go through the process, that agency owner, that agent doesn't go through the process of actually learning the art of what goes behind a renewal. right? So the idea is that, hey, a renewal just renews, right? It's just a renewal. Now you understand that there's a lot of pieces involved. There's a lot of different steps that you can take. And then once you understand that, once you have that workflow in place, once you're doing it, it's just a renewal at that point. It becomes easy. It becomes you know second nature. So I think that wow. the work, work or the process of building the workflow is as important as your actual your actual final product. Wow. Those agents who just want give me your workflow so I can implement it. I think in the end, it might work for a little while but it won't work because you never really learned that art of building the process. What happens when something changes? You start thinking through these workflows and these processes. It's complicated, man. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Like what the logic and the condition, you know, the conditional type statements involved in these things. Well, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And if you don't go through that process of actually doing it yourself and working through it with your team and just plugging someone else's in, it might work. It might work a little for a little while, but I don't think you're going to have a long-term success. So like my advice is do the work, do the hard work, fight the urge just to take someone else's and plug it in.
0: It is the great separator. It really is. We I see it. It's as clear to me as anything, Eric, it's the great separator. And we've wondered what would be when we say that half or two thirds of the industry is going to be gone. We were like, well, what does that look like? Like, why? You know, it's like the dinosaurs are gone. Like, why are the dinosaurs gone? Right. This is something that we can look at though for a future. And I'm starting to see it because there are people who are totally playing this off and they're going to be put out of business because they're not creating a great experience. But also, they're going to put their own selves out of business because they're going to go crazy like literally churning business and wondering how do we get there? How It's the agency I bought. The kid's 28 years old and he's leaving the industry because he could not figure it out. And he literally left a great industry so that he could go be in the IT work and have a nine to five job. He could not figure it out. And he was even a young person. See, that's what I say all the time about the fact that it's not the strongest that survive. It's those who are willing to adapt. It doesn't matter. It's not the oldest that will survive. It's not the youngest that will survive. It's those who are willing to adapt. And I think that that adaptation right there on understanding that you've got to create this. Here's the deal. Yeah, your customer is going to put you out of business, but you yourself is probably going to put yourself out of business because you're going to go crazy trying to figure out how does Garcia Insurance Services down the road do what they do all the time? There's no way that everybody's doing it like I'm doing it because Eric looks like he's pretty happy. His staff looks like that they're not like anxious and you know and overworked and stressed out. How are they doing that? And there comes a point in time, man where the ball starts rolling downhill really fast and you're not going to be able to do it. I mean you're talking about it now. I mean, a lot of people, hey, that Jason Cass talks about that marble box, I'm gonna go get that marble box and I'm gonna try it. I'm not saying that's bad. But I do like the approach you're taking of saying, okay, let's stop for a minute. Let's get them in here in a couple months, but let's figure this out first. Let's figure out what our workflows are. Now, I'm going to tell you, Eric, and, I'm, and that's what we do here at The Mastermind. If you don't have them in your office by March 1st, I'm going to probably have to come down there and be like, okay, Eric, come on now. It's time to pull the trigger, right? I and mean, there comes a point in time where you got to go with what you've got, right?
1: Yeah, so Square, you know, the credit card processing company Square, right? Love them. The guy who founded them, he's an artist, he's a glassblower, And his credit card processing company didn't take American Express. So he had these really expensive pieces that people wanted to buy with American Express and he couldn't take their credit card. So he started Square, right? He said, problems lead to clarity of solutions. And as I'm building out these workflows, I see a lot of problems in my workflows. How are we actually going to do that? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of checking back in on things. And how are we going to do that? So the clarity of the solution is... In my mind, it's going to lead us to marble box. But I think you got to be led there. I think it's got to be, hey, you know, it's working for other people. I'm just like, like you said, I'm just going to plug it in. No, I think you have to be led there. You have to see the value of it. I agree. You have to do the hard work. In that way, I think it's going to be more lasting.
0: So, Eric, wrapping this up here, leaders are readers, and readers are leaders, and you for sure are a leader. So, tell us what you are reading, buddy. I, you did already mention one book, The Delivering Happiness, which I
1: thought well, that- I read that. Seven years ago, though.
0: There you go, bragging again,
1: Eric. No, no, that's not what I'm currently. <laughs> reading. I've got like 17 books that I've started that I haven't finished. One is uh, Jeb Blunt's book, Fanatical Prospecting. Ooh, baby. Yeah, I do. Lately, I've been doing more. I guess I've been listening to a couple of leadership podcasts. I've been listening to Craig Groeschel' his leadership podcast. Okay. And then, man, I've just been reading like different blogs and There's no particular book that I'm going through right now.
0: Okay. All right. So no, I, uh, and he did notice he talked about fanatical prospecting. That's something that's, uh, one of my uh, new agents that I'm training right now demanded that he listen a read it. And he's like, man, I'm not a reader. And I said, well, get it on audible. And so he got it on audible and he said, like, you know, I don't even listen to podcasts." I said, do yourself a favor, force yourself to listen to it on a 30 minute drive and you'll be hooked. Sure enough, he came in last week, he's like, dude, that is some good stuff. I'm like, I know, it's really good stuff. I've been prospecting
1: for 18 years. I'm looking at my bookshelf because I love owning the physical books even if I listen to them. And there's a bunch of books I refer to. You know, I'll refer to Millionaire Next Door. It's a great book, Simple Money. That's a good book that I refer to regularly. There's another one that I'll refer to from time to time, values-based financial planning. I'll refer to a lot of books, but man, I'm at a point where in, in kind of my theme, is I've read a lot, I've got a lot in my head, I'm I'm enamored with a lot of ways to do business and and where I'm at right now is like, you know what? I don't have to learn anything right now. In this season, I just gotta execute some of the things that I already know.
0: Good, I like that. that's kind of the
1: season I'm in right now. And, And it's not like I'm stopping learning at all, but I just can't fit anything else. I've just gotta actually do what I know in the next probably three months.
0: Because in three months, it's gonna be time to sew. We just got done reaping and we've looked at our harvest and we've said, this is what I planted this year. And like you said, you were under your goals. I have to admit, I was under on my goals too. I I really was. I was short. I would say over the last eight years, this is probably not the lowest, probably definitely below the half mark of not our best year. And we had a lot of transition and a lot of things going on. Travis is still kicking arse but we've lost Lori. We've been here in this agency, but my production personally has been down. It just really has. I've been doing so much stuff, but I'm also investing my time in new producers. So whether that's an excuse or not, I feel it's a valid excuse, but I love how you're planning right now for what you're getting ready to sow come, you know, next year. I always like to say like spring and fall, you know, like farmers, but that's just the Southern Illinois and me land of milk and honey, Eric. I like that.
1: I like that you're doing that.
0: Eric, you got anything you want to wrap it up by saying anything?
1: No, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any, just do the work. You know, we can't be afraid to, to put the work, and I, you know, I will say this, and this is, you know, since we're talking about planning and goal setting to a certain degree, and this is, I think, a thread that's going on right now in the mastermind about goal setting and production for the next year, always start what you want to accomplish. And I'm not necessarily talking about like a, a dollar's goal per se, but like, I think as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as agency owners, we plan our business and we don't necessarily plan what we want our lives outside of business to look like. I don't want to work weekends. I don't want to work. Well, I don't work weekends. I don't want to work evenings. I rarely do. I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be able to travel. So how do I build my business based off of that? And I think that's where agency owners, if you haven't done that, start with your personal vision and then plan what you want your business to look like to fit that vision, not the other way around. Too many of us do it the other way around where we're, we think we're, we're free, which is great. We own our agencies, but I, mean, I know guys putting 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I'm not afraid of that hard work, but we don't own our agencies to work 80 hours a week no 60 way. hours a week or 70 hours a week. So backwards planning. This is what I do on the on the financial planning side. Start with the picture of uh, pick a time frame, two years out, five years out. This is what I want it to look like. Write it in the present tense, like you're already there, and then work backwards. What do you have to do to get there? When I started the business, I didn't want to work weekends or nights. Someone told me, a mentor said, work with business owners. They don't like meeting people at night. You can get uh, appointments with them during the day. Oh, I like that. That's how I started my business. You know, business owners, people who work for companies, they're hard to meet during the day. They own a business, they're a little more flexible. So start with the end in mind and plan backwards. That's what I'm leaving you with.
0: Eric, you're fantastic to have as a friend. You're fantastic to have in this industry so people can point to you and say, that's a business owner, that's an entrepreneur. I love it. You're great to have in the mastermind, man. You really, really truly are. You're an actual gym. And I'm glad that day that we met, whatever it was, 2011, 2012, I remember standing out, we were out on that deck patio thing for the night event or whatever, and started coming up, came talking to me. And, and there's always usually one or two or three of you. That come up at an event that you can sense the fire and the passion and the excitement and the ideas are flowing and it's, hey, what do you think about this and that? And the crazy thing is, is no matter how different or what their thoughts are, they all are, they're going to work because it's that person believes in it. And it's been so awesome to see you go from there to where you are now. And I'm excited for you. I love following you on Facebook and watching your kids with soccer and you and your wife going to the parties and you're wearing the crazy outfits. And the point is, is you're enjoying life. And it starts with having a good solid foundation of a family. It allows you to build a solid foundation of a business. And then everything else just grows off of that. And it's been exciting. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing with the agent some of your thoughts some of your sayings and the reason behind those sayings i love i can't wait to see we're going to come back in a year or so and see how those processes have been working for you i think you're going to be really excited when you do get marble box and i just think that uh, i'm 39 how old are you eric 37. 37, man, this is going to be, we're going to make so much money. I mean, just so much money.
1: We're the old guys now, huh?
0: I know. I know. It's funny. I was talking with this underwriter. I was like, yeah, I got these young guys in my office. They still think they can outwork me. And she sat there and she said to me, she said, (laughs) she said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 39. She was like, oh, you got those young guys in your office, huh? And it's just funny because it made me stop and think. I'm like, man, I did just say that, didn't I? But I literally am the oldest. Sarah's 41 and I'm 39. Everybody else is under me. We only have one other person in their 30s and everybody else is in their 20s. So it's like, you know, I'm. that's where a lot of this energy comes from. It's just like, whoa, we got to get stuff done, you know? But sometimes it's like herding cats, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll hurt them. In the meantime, Eric, thank you very much for joining us here on Agents Influence Podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. And to all you loyal listeners, we thank you for taking your time. I know some of you are absolutely cussing and swearing me right now because it's been an hour and six minutes into this thing. But I don't care. How can I stop when we're flowing like we were? I mean, if Jay-Z was sitting there flowing with Tupac, right? And they were just sitting there going at it, just battling. You wouldn't say to them, "Uh, uh-uh, wait a minute, it's been 30, 40 minutes, can we stop this? No, that's what was going on right here on Agents Influence. It was Eric Garcia, it was Jason Cass. I don't know who's Tupac, I don't know who's Jay-Z, but all I know is the hits and the lyrics that were flowing were good. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, and we are, Merry Christmas.